the body can feel the lower range of frequency. So being at a concert and being able to feel the vibrations when you're right next to the speakers. And that's because it's the low frequency sound, which is from around zero to 500 hertz. So that's been picked up by our sensory receptors in our skin. So we call that vibroacoustic sound. What's happening with vibroacoustic therapy, it's obviously the felt sensation of sound. So when you're lying on a sound lounge, which is a bed that has tactile transducers in it, which is basically a fancy word for a subwoofer without a speaker cone, that is going to play low frequency like you're sitting on a bass speaker. It's just playing in your body and you've got headphones on, but then obviously the music is therapeutic as well. It's approved by the FDA for pain relief increasing circulation and reducing inflammation. With pain, we can get caught in like a pain cycle, which is recurring information to our brain that keeps us in pain all the time. Mm -hmm. And what happens with vibroacoustic therapy is when you fill that nerve up with information, sound, sensory information, you're sort of talking over the pain like you're at a party and you're trying to have a conversation with someone and the music's too loud. You're filling those nerves up with information and quieting down mm. the the pain signal. People often liken it to a very lovely warm hug. It's just a very comforting experience. Welcome to the Restore to Explore podcast from the Foot Collective. We're on a mission to empower humans to restore their natural health and function from the ground up so we can all explore movement and life with freedom and confidence. All right, well, so good to be here. Yeah, it's great for you to come over. It's uh, happy to be here. Yeah, it's uh, we had quite a interesting serendipitous kind of meeting uh, at Vikasati. I'd taken my brother Eli for a, a bro date. This is something we've been doing. Um, instead of gifts, we sort of we as a family have all kind of recognised the best present you can give your family is your presence which quality, t- <laughs> quality yeah, time quality right. time and and uh vikasati is a place in brisbane in red hill that does um uh, has like a it's like a recovery center basically sauna magnesium pools hot and cold ice bath really cool place it was the f- first time i'd been there so i figured i'd take eli and then we and then i think you came into the sauna and um, obviously, you know, Eli, and then we got chatting and just the sound of what you do immediately. I was like, this sounds so fascinating. I've had a lot of experiences with sound healing before. Well, not a lot, but like some really good, um, positive experiences. And there's also, I was mentioning, uh, someone in our community, Georgina, who combines massage and sound healing and, um, you know, I've just been kind of blown away by that experience. So the sound of what you do, the sound of what you do, um, yeah, really intrigued me. And now I've experienced it um, just now in your sort of home studio. And yeah, I'm super keen to dig into it all. But but before we dig into, I guess, the, you know, the theory of it all, theory and practice of it all, why don't we just start with your story? I always like to get people's story of, you know, how you got into this, um, what you do, why you do it kind of thing. And we'll go from there. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Um, I guess the way that I got into it was, uh, I mean, there's a couple of ways it sort of comes about, but to cut a long story short, I was, had some lower back pain because I was, used to be a carpenter. Um, went and saw a chiropractor in Cleveland and he, 
I was the first time I was introduced to the nervous system, really. And he sort of talked about, you know, very simply how the uh, nervous system runs through our spinal cord. And uh, in order, if we've got some kinks in that, we've got some loss of signal basically going to the brain. And we've also got uh, some pain. So uh, he fixed me up after a couple of months and I was sleeping really well again. And then I met Katie, my partner. Uh, who's a musician, we're both musicians. So I always had that element of being interested in sound. But Katie went to San Francisco to study a sound therapy diploma mm-hmm. with uh, David Gibson, uh, who's a highly regarded sound therapist in the sound healing field. And when she came back, she just sort of had this, I don't know, she was just very, you know, when the, when you're a new student and you're fascinated with what you're learning about, you're almost the best teacher, you know, mm. because you're you're just fresh learning something. You've got the exhilaration for what you've learned about and you're really good at teaching it because you've got that passion behind you. So I guess seeing her in that, I naturally was interested in the things that she was talking about. But then it wasn't until she sent me a video... Uh, a Facebook video of who ended up being my teacher, Dr. Jeffrey Thompson. He was doing these live streams and I was watching those for about two years during before COVID. Oh no, just at the beginning of COVID. And then I ended up studying with him because I was just couldn't get enough of his information. He was, he is a chiropractor, but he uh, created this program called BioTuning. So it's a type of sound therapy which uses heart rate variability and vibroacoustic therapy. Mm-hmm. And so Katie and I both studied from uh, different people, um, which is which is great. We've got we've got a really um, good breadth of knowledge across the both of us. Okay, and then so there's a f- few things that we could touch on in there. So. Vibroacoustic sound therapy, when you first mentioned it to me, I'd never heard of it before. Uh, I think most people are probably more familiar or have heard of sound healing. Um, but why don't, we, why don't we even go even more high level to give background for people? What is sound? What is sound? Oh, cool. Let's go all the way back. Yeah, let's go all Perfect. the way back. Yeah. So sound is a, a mechanical energy wave. Mm-hmm. Uh, which which means that it's it's like a in a way it's like a pressure force, but basically how we, I was explaining to you earlier we, we measure sound in hertz and the hertz is the frequency per second so the time per second that sound vibrates going back and forth so twenty hertz would be uh, something vibrating at 20 times 20 times per second basically going back and forth and creating resonant sound waves um, mm-hmm. outward from the from the place of which it's been struck so like yeah. with a tu- if we strike a 20 hertz tuning fork um, that the resonance of that uh, cascades out from that point at and vibrates uh, apart from each other, the two tines vibrate apart from each other at 20, 20 times per second. And then that energy, so there's some kind of some kind of energetic um, 
trigger, I suppose, like a strike of the tuning fork, as an example, mm. that energy creates a vibration in the object. In the, and, yeah, in the then, air or object. Okay, yeah. yeah. And then that vibration travels through the air or travels through a medium like air or water. And for us to experience it as sound, obviously, we have to be there or we experience it as a sound yeah, yeah. And, and mostly we experience it through our ears and yeah. so the um i guess the nature of our ears is we're sort of we're listening in stereo all the time you know we've got when like with stereo headphones you've got left and right so it's our it gives us 3d perception mm. of our environment so when you have something rustling in the leaves behind you we we uh instantly know where it is because of our ears because of the way the sound hits either side either our left and right we have say if it's on behind us on our left side we hear more of the sound in our left ear and less of it in our right based in simple simple terms um so that we know the direction of it and um we know where where that sound is coming from yeah so it's definitely a big evolutionary you know, help, <laughs> a survival help to be able to listen to the environment because, you know, if you're looking straight ahead, you know, the eyes give us a lot of feedback about the environment, but it's not going to tell us about that thing that's rustling in the bushes totally. to the back and to the left Yeah, <laughs> that could be a danger to us or it could be something that we're trying to find, you know, hunting, hunting um, or escaping predators. So... That's that's a really... I don't think many people have really thought about what sound is, but basically it's energy that our brain is then processing to create an experience of a sound that either... that helps us survive in one context. But then the, I guess another interesting thing which we could delve into, if it's not too deep a rabbit hole, is what is music? So what is the experience of music based on, I guess, that understanding of sound? Yeah, someone said, uh, I read a beautiful quote the other day, uh, if, they said, if art, if art is, um, like, basically saying that art is done on paper, you know, what art, what art is to paper, if, um, oh, that's right, art is decorating, decorating space, that's what it was. Okay. So, art is decorating space, so therefore, music is decorating time. Huh. Wow. So, yeah. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, I, I really liked the way that they... That I, and I can't remember who said that, um, but I just thought that was beautiful. So, because obviously sound... We're measuring sound in time. We have hertz as a... Uh, per second. Mm. And music is a... Sort of psycho-neuro-emotional kind of... <laughs> the 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 way that if we wanted to sort of go into more of a deep sense of it what i see it as is pa pattern recognition mm. uh that music and sound is a is a way of recognizing patterns and we could talk about say like more archetypally or even just physically sound will literally make physical patterns uh, in sand and water um, but 
in terms of neuro, emotional, psychological, um, in, in that kind of sense. We're looking at patterns of feelings and emotions and uh, memories and all of these kinds of things that music is. Um, there was a quote, which I think is kind of what you're alluding to here, but a quote I really liked is... Um, Mathematics is the language of the universe and music is the language of the soul. Yeah. They're sort of both, in a sense, universal languages that all humans understand. I think even, you know, animals will listen to music. Whenever I used to play piano um, at my... When I was growing up, my parents' house, uh, our little dog would come and sit next to me and listen. Um, so I think there is some kind of universal language there. I think especially with humans, um, the way I guess our ears have developed, uh, I don't really know like the full history of music and even the, I know music theory goes very deep, but it's interesting that different sounds played in different orders or like different frequencies played at different orders will affect the way we feel in different ways. And so like a, you know, a major tone will be, ten, you know, this is very basic, but will tend to be a bit more uplifting and energizing, like a major chord, I guess, versus a minor chord would be a bit more... Um, melancholic. Know, melancholic, yeah, that's yeah. a good word. <laughs> I was searching for something like that. <laughs> um, so it's interesting that, but also there's some level of recognition, like you said, yeah, pattern recognition of order or... Um, you know, a, a certain note played after a different note will sound, just inherently sound good to us, whereas a, a different note will sound wrong or off. Yeah, definitely. And you're sort of in that was kind of creating different uh, levels of tension. Right. So you've got something that would be a little bit more dissonant, um, where it would create a lot of tension because it would kind of make us feel a bit uneasy, but then something that's a lot more harmonic or melodic uh, would have a lot more order to it, I guess. Mm. And so it sounds pleasing to us. And yeah. there's a great book called On the Sensation of Tone by Hemholtz, um, which he's basically studied the physiology of the ear and found that the there's a physiological reason for us to enjoy certain sounds. Right, okay, there is. Um, yeah, so, and, I mean, then you look at the history of music and you see uh, that we've been using fourths and fifths and, and we, we, we gravitate towards certain melodies and certain harmonies because they literally just feel good because we're built, we're, we're created for them to feel good. Right. Yeah. And just to clarify as well, to, to marry up those two concepts, sound and music, when we talk about a musical note like A, B or C mm. and so on, that musical note is a letter that represents a certain frequency. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. It depends on which octave it is. So okay. it's, bro it's broken right. up into uh, like a 12 tone scale, um, C, C sharp, D, G, sure. D sharp, all the way up to um, G, G sharp. Um yeah sorry what was the question so is the so basically because people are familiar with you know 
most people I think are familiar with there being different musical notes, A, mm. B or C and so on. And <clears throat> the, that letter represents a certain frequency oh, yeah. depending on, I guess, like you said, depending on the octave, which yeah. is, yeah. It can, it can, um, there's quite, yeah, I guess there's quite a lot of levels to it, but basically like with uh, a standard piano, it's tuned to A, the middle A is tuned to 440. Okay. And so then from there... 440 hertz. 440 hertz, yeah. yeah. So then from there, everything's spread out and we have an equal equal tempered music at the moment. Um, that's kind of the accepted standard. Huh. Um, basically, the keys have been mathematically portioned out so that when you play across the whole scale, it all sounds like uh, correct. Right. Whereas if you... Uh, if we had, I forget the name of it, but um, more modal modal tuning, you would have a piano that's tuned to, say, the key of C. And so you play that piano in the key of C, it sounds great. But then if you were to try to transpose to like a key of F sharp, uh, the piano is going to sound out of tune because it hasn't been, ever, the notes haven't been altered ever so slightly to uh kind of sound correct yeah i think i know i know the concept you're talking about it's so the uh, music theory definitely goes very deep but as a whole it's kind of just worth noting that different sounds which are you know different frequencies played in different orders can affect our emotional i think most people will just resonate with that that you can be affected um quite significantly uh, emotionally uh, you can bring up different um, states of mind just by playing certain sounds which is basically music yeah which i think is a really good backdrop to talk about sound therapy um and i imagine not you know sound therapy isn't necessarily music therapy as such but so most of that is talking about how sound how we experience sound and how sound can be experienced as music how does sound affect our bodies as well so you know we experience sound through our ears um but how else do we experience sound yeah the great question we um through mostly we are all familiar with sound through our ears um it's called psychoacoustic sound okay um so that's between the, the, the we say that it's between the range of twenty hertz and twenty thousand hertz, um, but often you can you can go online and do a quick hearing test and see what you can actually hear because, um, as my partner was saying earlier, I think she, she when she does training with her students she gives them a little test to do, and I think most people are up about sixteen thousand hertz that they can hear to so, the 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 ear can technically hear that certain range, but obviously we all differ with our, sure. with our hearing quite significantly. But then the body uh, can feel uh, the lower range of frequency. So how you were talking earlier about being at a concert and being able to feel the vibrations in when you're right next to the speakers and how mm. you really enjoyed that experience. And that's because it's the low frequency uh, sound, which is from around zero to 500 hertz. Yeah. And that's because that's been picked up by our sensory receptors in our skin. I think um, there's four receptors, the Merkel, um, 
receptors are definitely one of them. Uh, two of those receptors are pressure. So mm-hmm. really, really low frequency as, as like a pressure wave rather than sound. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So it's still sound, but it's, we're experiencing it differently, yeah. more mechanically, more me- as opposed to, like you said, psychoacoustically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And the, um, so we call that vibroacoustic sounds, the, the felt, felt vibration. Ah, and okay. I think the, the felt sense of, the felt sense of sound is called palesthesia. It's okay. a, yeah. The palesthesia. F- palesthesia, the, the sensation of, the felt sensation of sound. Right. I yeah. haven't, heard, haven't heard of that before. Yeah, so yeah. When I first saw it, I was like, that's a weird, that's a strange word. Yeah. So, well, that leads in pretty well to vibroacoustic therapy then. So I hadn't really put that together that that's why it's called vibroacoustic therapy. Um, so the idea, well, yeah, what's the idea behind vibroacoustic yeah, therapy? Yeah, it's, um, uh, originally it was started by Olaf Skill. Um, I believe he's from Norway. That was, oh gosh, I should have looked that date up before. <laughs> I think, uh, maybe 19, spot. maybe 1973. Okay. Um, moved over into I guess it became a bit more popular in the US still somewhat popular over in Europe but then Katie and I were the first to start uh, Vibrosound which is the vibroacoustic therapy company here in Australia uh-huh. um, so I guess in that sense it's growing it's a growing industry still relatively new but yeah it's yeah. relatively new and, and relatively unknown but um, as yeah as you experience it's quite a powerful experience very um, very powerful and what what's happening with vibroacoustic therapy it's the obviously the felt sensation of sound so when you're lying on a sound lounge which is a bed that has tactile transducers in it which which is basically a fancy word for a subwoofer without yeah. uh, without a speaker cone and that is going to play low frequency basically like you're sitting on a bass speaker you know yeah that's exactly how yeah, it felt yeah <laughs> without having to have really loud speakers going into my ears yeah exactly yeah. it's just playing in your body and you've got headphones on but then obviously the music is therapeutic as well so we're yeah. not listening to like um led zeppelin or anything like that through the bed so it's therapeutic bass vibrations yeah, yeah. do you what's like the history of how that started did um Olaf, did he have a background in, I guess, more traditional sound healing or like how did it all sort of get going? Yeah. Um, again, put me on the spot a little bit, but, um, um, I believe he was the, the other word for vibroacoustic is physioacoustic. Right. Um, so when those, those are both terminologies where you can look up research papers for vibroacoustic or physioacoustic therapy. Um, Olaf was using it in, I believe a nursing home, right. um, or just with his, with his clients, um, who I think tended to be quite elderly. Yeah. Um, and he was seeing great improvement with that. He was using, uh, basically, uh, 40 Hertz and other low frequencies, 40 Hertz, 50 Hertz, 80 Hertz, um, things like that, playing it through uh, beds that they were lying on and seeing improvements and all sorts of things. 
what kind of things like energy sort of sleep or yeah sleep pain Mm -hmm. um i i can't remember exactly what olaf was was seeing directly but um now moving a couple of decades along with see uh it being approved by the fda for pain relief increasing circulation and reducing inflammation wow as well as uh, I tried looking for it the other day, but I vaguely remember them talking about lymphatic drainage, which which makes sense with the increased circulation. But for sure, um, so so that, that's I guess like in, what's been approved for. That's what's been approved, but then obviously you've got things like uh, reduce reducing stress and anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got quite a lot of studies on depression. Um, some studies recently and on anxiety specifically around covid and the pandemic all right um yeah that one was coming out uh my teacher did a study on that well not sorry he didn't do a study on that one of his students did um and there was another study coming out of eastern europe uh with the university i don't think they've finished the trial yet but um right and that kind of makes sense based on I guess in terms of the stress and anxiety certainly from my experience it was very relaxing Mm. so yeah can you speak to what kind of effects yeah Yeah. what's the mechanism yeah well I find the pain I find talking about pain is quite helpful because it it sort of gives a picture on how what happens to the nervous system with the vibroacoustic therapy it with pain we have we can get caught in like a pain spasm pain cycle which is just sort of like recurring information to our brain that um keeps us in pain all of the time Mm -hmm. and what happens with vibroacoustic therapy is when you fill the nerve when you fill that nerve up with information sound sensory information you're uh, i like to describe it as you're sort of talking over the pain like you're at a party and you're trying to have a conversation with someone and the music's too loud. It's like you're filling that you're filling those nerves up with information and quieting down mm. the the pain signal. It's like a um we get taught that in uni pain gate theory. Yeah, exactly. And it's that's like, so, that's like when I you mean. knock knock a knee or something and you give it a rub, you're creating a tactile input that's sort of overtaking the nociceptive input from the yeah. Awesome. from those receptors yeah 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 so the same same principle basically it's just using sound yeah using yeah. sound so it's quite yeah exactly it's sort of like giving a whole body a rub but, yeah um, but yeah. uh because sound because the low frequency sound as we've probably all experienced uh standing at a concert next to speakers that input is going into a whole body yeah 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 that's that's a big part of like that's a big difference i suppose to what i felt there and what you feel with a big bass speaker yeah um and then with the with the stress and anxiety we're obviously looking at uh, parasympathetic stimulation or you know vagus nerve stimulation yeah um so that's you know a, definitely a factor in and reducing stress and anxiety yeah. just helping to people often liken it to a, a very lovely warm hug and yeah. just just very comforting experience so i think 
I, th I think we don't necessarily experience a lot of comfort. Um, you know, maybe when we're a child, we have a lot of beautiful cuddles and moments with our parents, but then after that, we sort of uh, grow up and get left to our own devices, and mm. the sound lounge is, is does feel like a real comforting place because your 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 nervous system's kind of busy. It's being kept busy with the sound, and it's just stimulating but not not stimulating a sense like coffee stimulating stimulating a sense where you're just getting a sort of like a nice rub yeah know? it felt it to use a term it felt very grounding in yeah. a sense um and for those listening parasympathetic basically is just meaning you're getting into more of that rest and digest yeah. um mode rest digest recovery kind of mode as opposed to a sympathetic mode which is more of your fight or flight which really we should be spending the majority of our time in parasympathetic um activation of the nervous system uh and you know in nature or evolutionarily we would have short bouts of sympathetic activity to get us moving to escape a predator or something like that but you should then go back into parasympathetic and i think in our modern culture people have a hard time getting out of the sympathetic fight or flight because of just the unnatural demands i suppose on their nervous system from you know our, our high-paced life i think even even just a lot of modern landscapes can be quite stressful and uh, speaking of sound you know there's a lot of unnatural sounds honking car sounds you know um uh, like we were just i'm not sure if it came up on the microphone but someone blowing leaves you know there's all these relatively unnatural sounds i'm interested to actually hear you talk about maybe like the sounds of nature versus the sounds of um the city city yeah, yeah and how that might affect our our bodies and Definitely. nervous system there's a great book called sound health by uh, i hope i got this name right stephen halpert maybe just talking about the the our sound environment hmm. and not necessarily in that book, but there was an interesting study that they were doing on a small town in Europe somewhere. Um, it was like a bio, it was like a bioacoustics study group where they were measuring the sound levels in a, in a small town. And they were, there was a bell tower in the middle of the town and they were try they wanted to see, where what distance you could hear the bell tower from over hmm. a long period of time and they didn't obviously start this they didn't start the study centuries ago but they were able to find um li in literature about where how people could hear the bell tower from a certain place and so they would go to that place in that town and they would sit there and try and listen to the bell tower and they obviously couldn't hear it because it's where the city's drowned out by cars and traffic and and everything. Uh, I see. And so over time, over time, and so okay. they're me so they're measuring the distance of which you could hear the bell tower from. And now, uh, over the couple of maybe one decade that they were doing the study, it's just shrunk to you know a couple of hundred meters. Wow! Rather than the i think before it was something like 12 kilometers yeah like up you 12 imagine, kilometers yeah it was a i don't remember exactly but you uh 
it was obviously up it was up in some place on the hill and mm. so the sound would travel up the up the hillside mm -hmm. but it was a great distance away and you could hear the bell tower from from a long long way away and it was just re made really evident the the sound quality and our sound environment that we live in and of course that has an effect on us and definitely mm. this is similar to the artificial light that we get exposed to i think the effect that that has on our sleep and our circadian rhythms um it would be yeah be kind of silly to think that our sound environment doesn't affect us in a similar way and that when i get out into nature whether it's out into my uncle and auntie's property or even just like when i come to work in the morning i go to mount kutha first and i get into like you know through the trails and I, there's this one spot which is quite interesting it must be enough behind a sort of hill but it, i get down to this spot and it, everything just gets very peaceful all of a sudden and all i hear because usually you can hear i guess the sound of the motorway a little bit in the background you can really tell when all of that drops away and I usually just sit there for five minutes and just enjoy it. But I, it's, I, the modern sound environment is something that you don't really necessarily notice until you get away from it. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, I was, I work at uh, UQ University sometimes uh, installing art exhibitions and my brother also works there and he has uh, let me in to the anechoic chamber there which is a oh. which is a, essentially a very 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 soundproof room it has a yeah i've heard of it has a floating floor uh, and it has foam these are sort of spiky foam things um on the walls and the ceiling and the floor and so when you're sitting in there it's uh, dead quiet and it's it's very not that not that we would ever experience that in nature because i i think there's almost no such thing as silence mm. but in it's just interesting to be inside of an anechoic chamber and hear nothing <laughs> but obviously not nothing but hear what silence might be like yeah you know? Yeah, you almost start to hear you hear your own breath. You hear, you hear your own heartbeat. Yeah. You hear the blood pumping, moving yeah. through your body. It's weird. I've heard that people can go a little bit if you stay in there too long. It's a bit maddening. Yeah, like, I th I heard that as I heard that as well, and so I was like, okay, I'll see how long I can yeah. stay in here, and it wasn't too it wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad. So I I I was Maybe. in there for about thirty minutes. Yeah, I I think someone was saying much beyond like an hour and it oh, starts okay, to get, okay. yeah. get weird yeah okay. which is interesting but maybe it depends on what kind of person you are and how much yeah. time you usually spend with your own thoughts and yeah, <laughs> all true. of that yeah um we wanted to take a quick break from the episode to let you know about our ultimate free foot health resource if you're listening you've probably already started the journey towards improving your foot and movement health but if you're still wearing conventional shoes most of the time that's anything cushioned, healed, narrow or rigid, it's kind of like taking one step forward and two steps back. Knowing what shoe is right for you though can be super confusing. That's why we made the Guide to Foot Freedom. We've taken everything our team of foot health experts have learned over the years and synthesized it into one handy manual, packed with all you need to know about unleashing the natural power of your foundation. You'll learn how to understand your feet, the truth about modern footwear, 
the five F's for finding natural footwear, plus a step-by-step -step guide with training videos to help you assess your foot function and improve it so you can safely and seamlessly transition into shoes that will finally give your feet freedom. The best part is, like I said, it's absolutely free. Just head to thefootcollective.com and click learn to find the free ebook, The Guide to Foot Freedom. You'll find the link in the show notes. Now back to the episode. So, I'm back with a nature nature oh yeah, recording. Yeah. yeah. So we, I um, I because we compose different soundtracks for our sound lounges, we I go out and record nature sounds. So I've got yeah. some of it, my. I'm a sound engineer and musician, so I take my recording equipment out to nature and and get some recordings of just natural landscapes and spaces i had ocean in mind this morning yeah, in my yeah. experience that was nice <laughs> great <laughs> uh that was probably maybe from stradbroke island okay right yeah yeah um sounded like it <laughs> yeah it sounded like it um there's there nature sounds are fantastic um and it is nice to give people sort of the opportunity to be able to escape a little bit into a soundscape that um is a bit more healthy i guess mm. but they're also nature sounds have been with us for millennia you know we um i often say to my clients that if you were to if you were to go up into the mountains in nepal and uh give a child who's never seen the ocean before the sound of the ocean they would recognize it wow they would know it's kind of baked into our they would know that that's the ocean even of not necessarily ever experiencing ever it. it or hearing it before it's just baked into like our baked collective into memory us. or psychology somehow yeah 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 um, wow so being able to yeah i love recording nature sounds and, and using them and and i use some binaural um earphones uh, binaural microphone so they basically sit on my actual ears so that I'm huh. recording, recording exactly the way that we would listen back to it. Wow, yeah. okay. So, actually this, this is another thing that's been, that I was wondering this morning um, on my hike in Mount Kutha a lot of what we, a lot of our I guess philosophy and approach um, when it comes to say foot health and movement health is centered around the fact that we're actually disconnected from our natural movement. We don't get the natural textures and surfaces on our feet. We don't basically don't get the loads that we would usually experience in nature, and that um, you know drastically affects our musculoskeletal health. We become stiff, we become tight, weak. All of these things because we're not loading our bodies the way. I guess our genes expect them to be loaded. And so we've just sort of touched on the fact that a lack of natural sounds combined with, you know, an increase in these loud and, you know, noisy artificial sounds, you know, it is part of the equation, I suppose, when it comes to our sound environment and our sound health. But at what point, like, what makes certain sounds like that maybe aren't natural or say lying on a um 
a bed and getting those base frequencies. Why is that therapeutic? Mm. Maybe the, maybe that's not fully understood yet, but do you have a hunch or do you... Um, I guess part of it is you're playing nature sounds and that's giving that input that we have been disconnected from back to us. But w- what is therapeutic about, say, a crystal bowl or a didgeridoo or, yeah, like a vibroacoustic lounge? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think in a very simple sense you would sort of you could ask any person say hey lay on this uh sound lounge put these headphones on and we're going to listen to the sound of traffic for 20 minutes <laughs> yeah. or you could listen to the sound of waves and didgeridoo and i think i think um without needing to do much study we would yeah. be able to find that Just people would much prefer the didgeridoo and nature sounds as um in terms of therapeutic benefits from different instruments there's a lot of people people love talking about different frequencies and and different things for this and that and while while i think that's important and true um and and i use that in my in my with my own clients i use actually very specific frequencies to target individual nervous systems but I think it's also imp- probably more important that we get a uh, spectrum of frequencies, and the then on top of that that we actually enjoy the experience. Mm. Now, with something like the crystal bowl, is one specific one or two frequencies, say, and that can be it's quite a piercing sound, quite also quite an angelic sound, like a almost like a almost like the sound of an angel um singing like a high singing a beautiful high note um whereas something like the didgeridoo has thousands of thousands of frequencies Mm. it's just a huge broad spectrum of frequency that uh it's a we call it timbre it's got a it's got a certain timbre or, or it's sort of like the musical equivalent of texture it's got a certain timbre to it and we, we can hear that that's the didgeridoo and we could hear that that's the crystal ball or the flute because of its timbre because of its yeah. texture um but then uh so you're asking about specific instruments for therapy well, for being more therapeutic sp- than others or? i suppose uh something i have heard in sound healing and i don't understand it all fully but you do hear about you know um, organs, certain organs having different different frequencies that they that you can play to in some way, or like, um, I guess there's the the general systemic relaxation effect, parasympathetic that we've talked about that is would be you know healing in a lot of ways, especially for someone who struggles to get into that parasympathetic parasympathetic state. But is there other aspects of the frequency directly, I guess, interacting with the body that is therapeutic um Mm. that maybe can be targeted or is that sort of is that more just hypothesis from people who do sound healing yeah it can be it's it's quite an unregulated field so it can be quite difficult to understand what say somebody says that your liver is um the the frequency for your liver is 116 hertz let's say Mm -hmm. and then we can then you could sort of ask that person, how did you come about that? And 
they'll either I guess not tell you or tell you how they came about it and I think it's important to understand how we come about these things yeah um I think there's yeah it's it's important to look at like how how did how did we find that how do you know that what kind of tests have you done or like what math is what math is supporting this sure so I think some of those things can be difficult to determine just because of the breadth of the, uh, because of the amount of of those kinds of things out there yeah we sort of try to stick to um i guess our traditional guns and also some of the work that we do ourselves with um for instance I, I, maybe a good way to explain it would be the sound of the elements that i've created um which is uh it's a conversion of light into sound huh. um and so we have the periodic table of elements, which we have oxygen, carbon, magnesium, and all of these different frequencies emit a certain light spectrum. So the re- one instance, the reason that we can uh, know that there's water on the moon is because we look at the light, the light spectrum that's shining back to us from the moon, and we can recognize oxygen and hydrogen. And so because we can see that light spectrum on the moon, we know that there's water up there, even without going up there. Right. So, so because each element has a, uh, has a fingerprint, has a, has a, we can determine that's definitely oxygen without a doubt, because it's got these different light frequencies. That's hydrogen without a doubt, because it's got these different light frequencies. So what I did is mathematically calculate, uh, convert mathematically convert light into sound um converting the amplitude any uh, i won't get too complex but um (laughs) so it's basically that that change because light is a frequency as well it's a it's a it's a um it's a it's resonating at a certain frequency giving us the color of red or the color of yellow sure and then moving that frequency down into a sound frequency and uh creating uh the sound of an element by converting its thousands or hundreds of different frequencies and then creating a sound that that mimics oxygen say wow yeah and while that's mostly me having a lot of fun because i (laughs) because i find that really enjoyable um I have we don't necessarily know how that affects the body but it's um that's i guess that's what i mean with the process of finding different frequencies is like maybe these maybe these element frequencies would be beneficial to the body um we'd obviously need to test that further but there's definitely a process of how these things have come about and this is that's my process of how i've come about it and i i don't really uh, don't it's all it can be unclear how other people have come about frequencies but i sure but yeah. i love i absolutely love how people come about them because it's fascinating yeah so what you're saying is there's like a, a mathematical way to do it like you take you take a known frequency of an element and then you can mathematically convert that obviously the process of that might be too too deep for the scope of this podcast yeah yeah it's i I, yeah we don't need to go yeah yeah so yeah so vibroacoustic therapy i guess in what ways 
does it differ? Does it in, does it draw from traditional sort of sound healing practices? Is it you know completely different? Is there sort of um, a marriage of the two? Because obviously in your in your room and studio that I experienced it, there's obviously there's crystal bowls. There's more traditional looking sound healing things. So is it basically an integration? Are you doing the integration of the two? Um, or is there, yeah, how, how does all that yeah. work? Uh, I guess there's exactly, there's two sort of sides to it. Um, scientifically, we would look at vibroacoustic therapy or physioacoustic therapy. You look at it through research papers and they're using very simple sine waves like 40 hertz, sure. say. So they use one signal and then they, one um, frequency and they test uh, based on that. Which, which I think is good in the sense that it gives us something to go by and we can just repeatedly test something. It's very simple and, and it's one frequency. It, it can work quite well. But then Katie and I, my partner, we run VibroSound together. We are musicians, so we like mm. making music and, and also we're sound, sound therapists. Um, so we're interested in the other side of the field which is which can be things like crystal balls drums gongs tuning forks and and all mm. sorts of instruments like that as well as my one of my passions nature sounds so that's more bringing in the sort of sound i guess you could look at it as sound therapy or or the scientific realm and then you've got sound healing which would be the um right. more instrumentation but then you've also got the music comp composition. So sure. so I guess it's a marrying of those three fields, um, giving people an enjoyable musical uh, experience, giving them a traditional experience with the sound healing instruments, and then also using the um, vibroacoustic therapy lounge yeah to to deliver that experience okay so yeah. so if does that make sense it does okay. yeah yeah because <clears throat> so there there would exist vibroacoustic therapy where you are just lying and feeling the low frequency um like bass kind of experience and that has its own therapeutic benefit that has research but then there's also this yeah the sound healing aspect which is more of a i guess I guess less less of a science, more of an art in a sense, would you say? I, I guess both, because we sort of looked at vibroacoustic therapy. Um, and it's not... Many people create sound um, soundtracks for and listen to them through beds. Mm -hmm. But um, we... I, I wouldn't want to just listen to 40 hertz as, a, as yeah, a musician. Right. I, I wouldn't want to listen to just one tone and... It's certainly from, more enjoyable. To, definitely more yeah. enjoyable, and it also brings in the brings in the things like emotions and, and yeah, more the, the of kind of psychology of music, rather than just something purely scientific. Which yeah. I I think very much, especially with Katie and I, we probably I'm more science maybe, yeah, and Katie's more spiritual maybe, but we we both definitely love both aspects of of that i mm. very much love the spiritual side of it katie very much loves the scientific side of it but there's a nice tension that exists between those two that they can really support each other like the um 
science and the the um, musical or the spiritual, whatever. Yeah. Uh, there's a nice tension between that where they they can sort of coalesce together. Yeah, and uh, and the more I I think the more science finds out, the more it explains you know what spiritual teachings were sort of getting at in a lot of ways um you know especially as things have gone more you know quantum mechanics and those kinds of things which i don't don't fully understand <laughs> not that everyone and probably no one really fully understands but there's it seems to be pointing towards you know a, a different language for what people have been saying for thousands of years in different ways yeah different language is a yeah. great way to put that yeah, yeah. science and spirituality yeah it's like just a different language and they're both they can both support each other um so currently so you've got the business is um these sound lounges so yeah. vibro sound is the business vibro sound yeah. yeah started by katie and her dad and then okay. and i've been helping out for a very long time yeah and you sell these vibro sound lounges which are like you said the um essentially like a mattress with the base um yeah it's sort of like a massage table topper yeah um yeah. with which has uh transducers embedded into it it all hooks up to an amplifier and then you play our sound lounge tracks through it yeah yeah and so people can get this at home but you also work with practitioners so how are practitioners i guess currently integrating it um, in their practice from, you know, from different fields, possibly, um, I'd be interested to know. Yeah. And, uh, I guess a follow up to that is how can you see it being integrated maybe in the future? Yeah. We have roughly 40 practitioners around Australia. Um, I guess they're all over the place, you know, we could say mainly Perth, Melbourne, Sydney and mm -hmm. Brisbane or Queensland, but we have quite a few people out in more in the regional areas which is great too um we do a vibroacoustic therapy training just running people through some case studies through some scientific papers um just showing different aspects of how it can affect the body and um especially with stress and anxiety as well mm -hmm. but most of our practitioners i would say we've got massage therapists uh, chiropractors, uh, one physiotherapist in Brisbane, Bowen therapists, some spas or uh, oh, yeah. sort of re recovery centers, spas with that for infrared saunas, ice baths, um, and various other, some of the other kind of health tech or, um, biohacking tech that's out there. Yeah. So very much they fit into those spaces really well. We've also got a lot of Reiki, um, therapists and energy healers um, and even some people that do things like um, sorry, what do you call it I guess um, uh, like past life uh, oh, past yeah. life um, regression therapy because it can really put you into a hypnagogic or mm. like a yeah like a really altered state um, can be great for uh, sorry, what I'm trying to get is like hypnotherapy. That's, oh, what, yes, that's, the, sure. that's, that's the word that yeah. I'm trying to look for. Yeah. Yeah. And um, say like a, like a ha in, in practice, I guess everyone would do it a bit differently, but are people using it? Are they getting their clients on it? Um, 
you know, before a session, after a session, uh, I guess, during, do, has anyone use it like during a massage? Yeah. Um, everyone does use it differently. We encourage people to play with it, to, yeah. to make it fit into their practice. We funnily have, uh, our massage therapists, some like to use it before, some like to use it after before a massage it can really help relax the person Mm -hmm. um so that they're a lot easier to work um and then after a massage it can be really great because it in a way it feels like it helps to settle to sort of you you know you've been pushing and moving these muscles around for a while trying to sort of enliven enliven them and relieve tension and then the sound lounge helps to sort of almost like set them in place Hmm. So we um, kind of like to stabilize them, I guess, or to kind of like give them give them a comfort to their new home. <laughs> yeah. Then uh, uh, energy healers like to use it during because um, it can be quite a, you know, really great experience. And then we also have things, uh, places like spas that are just using them standalone. Sure. Yeah. You know, you, you go in for a 25 minute to 45 minute session so you don't necessarily need to have a practitioner um, or like does the spa have someone who's trained in how to use it that you know or how does that work similar like with a, when you go to say an infrared sauna or a float oh, yeah. tank you know you have somebody walk you to the door and just explain to you oh here's this press play on this turn this up or down yeah. you know with the infrared sauna you've got you here's the lights and here's the here's the volume of the sound and here's the intensity of the heat so just simple things like that with just volume and um, just turning the volume up of the bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you just as long as you kind of vaguely know, well, like, as long as you know how to use it and yeah. how to twist the dials, uh, yeah. then it's, it's like, pretty straightforward. It's like turning up a stereo system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Um, and then so the training you give for practitioners is more to just understand the yeah the theory behind it totally yeah we found that um we initially we were getting when we were selling beds to practitioners or selling the sound lounges to practitioners we were getting a lot of emails uh people saying you know my client asked me this what do i say to them right and after a while you know we were just getting flooded with questions you know for answering the same questions yeah for you know for me and katie to to answer was just um we couldn't keep up and so we're like oh okay i think we have to teach people yeah (laughs) so we created a training which um we're just trying to empower people in the knowledge of vibroacoustic therapy and sound therapy to give them enough to stand on to be able to explain it to anyone yeah you know giving them getting them to practice elevator pitches and things like that so that sure. the, that um they're not caught on the spot yeah yeah i think there's there's power in that because it even in- increases the confidence of the practitioner as well in what they're doing and why <clears throat> and there's there's interesting studies behind you know in pain research that show that the confidence of a practitioner can influence the effect, like the experience of pain in their client. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, which is really fascinating. So there's, there's some kind of energetic transfer there where even if it's not consciously discussed. The, yeah. Like a level, like a level of trust. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's definitely a trust. It's definitely a trustworthy endeavor going to a practitioner for something, you know, mm. you're, you're 
you're trusting them to you're putting your health in their hands you know? yeah yeah and you want somebody that's capable and um yeah yeah and like for instance when i was talking when i had the experience and i was talking to you and katie after and i was asking you questions and you could answer them all i was like oh, okay there's like a whole science to this and it all is making sense based on my understanding of physiology and so on as opposed to like asking questions especially me being from a health background and maybe i guess a more traditional health you know education it's handy to have someone who can sort of speak the language and interpret what's going on you know in that language as well um we love talking about it yeah i can tell (laughs) yeah we absolutely love talking about it we have to um try to uh, get, like rain it, yourselves in yeah bit. we have to rein ourselves in when we're just when it's just us together we have to be like okay okay we you know we can't always talk about this yeah yeah so it's obviously a relatively new field certainly in australia um it's very new you guys are the only ones doing it yeah what's the like what's your vision what's the trajectory where's it going is there you know is there any exciting things in the field people should be looking at um yeah what what's where to from here good question um we're not a hundred percent sure because we're probably for getting five years in okay so we're still learning we're obviously learning things every day you know learning what people undoubtedly people enjoy the experience so for us that's what's very worthwhile thing to pursue but with in terms of the trajectory of things we just want to get the word out i guess Mm. and also we want it to be a reputable uh something that's reputable something that's got uh evidence behind it something that is well known to to be helpful for certain things so i guess we're looking to get more involved with different fields like uh, say physiotherapy chiropractic and get people who have a very like yourself who have a great background in health and a great understanding of health to experience this and see oh this can actually this is actually a thing Mm, you know mm. this is actually a real thing that could that could help in this way that way and so we're looking to mostly connect with more more people around australia and hoping to have enough around Australia so that um, people can contact one of our practitioners and go in and see them. Or eventually, I guess, we'd end up opening some kind of studio that yeah. um, that we could replicate, something like that. Yeah, that'd yeah. be... And, the, yeah, I was going to ask if, at the moment, is there, like, a directory of practitioners that you that people go, oh, I want to experience that in my local area? You said you've got some in some of the major cities... Is there is there somewhere people can go to like a you know who who's in Sydney where where can I go into yeah to we've it? got um, on our website there's a tab called sessions and trainings then there's our practitioners and then that's okay. categorized into different states but um, we also do events where we do free events where we basically let people come and try the devices for free our next one is in Brisbane on the 4th of November oh, at yeah. Western Yoga. I saw that and I'm away all weekend. Oh, no. I was, I was, uh, that's okay. <laughs> you got to try it today. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, that's an interesting point before we wrap it up. How do you find 
the group versus the, the solo session um is there any difference i guess energetically or definitely uh probably a good example is i was at mind body spirit festival in melbourne and it can be very loud at festivals so i often have to turn the, the headphones up and oh, turn yeah. the bed up just so that it tried to drown the sound of the the festival out of people but i i love seeing clients individually because i can obviously get more personal and ask more detailed questions and and really try to you know really support them in as the best capacity that i can but then the group setting is also beautiful because there's just a because i'm seeing uh, when i was in melbourne i was seeing like 60 people a day um, oh, wow yeah it was just a lineup of people just trying 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 at the festival at the festival yeah, yeah. Wow. so about over four days about 60 people a day Jeez. and so being able to see the effects of it on people on such a large number of people was amazing mm. just seeing the different scopes of people sort of being in dis uh being a bit skeptical about it thinking like that it just looks like a stupid bed <laughs> um and then coming out and being like oh my god you know and just being the, the expression on people's faceless on face on their faces is priceless yeah they're, they're they have this look of calm and serenity um even people just coming to tears you know lots of different um experiences which is which was a lot of fun for me because mm. i get a lot out of that just people having a great time yeah people having good experiences so really happy about that yeah and that was in a group setting as well that was in the f uh festival setting so uh, okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah lots and lots of people yeah wow mm. yeah that's really that's really interesting the and actually that just reminded me of something i was going to ask um how i don't think we fully explored like the bio tuning thing so if you are working with oh, someone yes. individually um you're using the vibroacoustic therapy and the headphones for some of the sound more like the sound high frequency sounds um and like the musical aspect to it and then you're monitoring what are you monitoring and what are you changing to sort of tune to their body yeah so i've got a i've got a great heart rate variability monitor which allows me to watch the nervous system live so I can see second mm. by second whether someone's in a stress response or a re rest response. And so what I'm trying to do is... Have you ever heard of the Raglan test? I don't think so. It's the... It's sort of like a... I guess it's sort of like a sympathetic or a stress dominance test where you're... When we're standing up, we're exhibiting a stress response. And when once we lie down, the Raglan test says that within three minutes we're meant to go into a parasympathetic or a okay. rest response but uh, quite often we don't in this stressful world but um what i do is get i hook people up to my monitor i get them to lie down and then i s play uh, a sweep of sound frequencies through their body to trigger their um rest response before sort of the raglan test does its own thing okay so i'm trying to trigger their nervous system to relax using specific frequencies while i'm watching their nervous system live on the monitor so yeah, i can the see heart rate variability monitor. yeah so yeah. i can see that stress response collapsing at certain points and then and 
uh, my software will automatically select fre the frequency at, at the point of which um. we move into the rest response. So the monitor is integrated with the software yeah. and it can tell at what frequency the stress response was reduced. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. And then, so then once we have that, then I create a very quick soundtrack, which is basically four octaves of that frequency. So if we've got, say it was a 50 Hertz we found was the frequency, uh, then we would do four octaves of that. So 50 Hertz, 100, 200 and 400 Hertz. Oh, actually, sorry, we would go back, we would go backwards. So we'd probably do we'd probably do 200, 150 hertz and 25 hertz. So hmm. we would do all of those frequencies, which are all octaves. Octaves meaning like how we were talking about the keyboard um, music theory before, we've got C, but then if we move up an octave, we've also got another C. It's just at a higher or lower sure. register. So we basically play that person's frequency at higher and lower registers so that we play all of those notes through the bed into their nervous system. Mm. And yeah. So the so the octave is kind of like a doubling. So if, if their frequency was 25 or whatever, the, the right frequency for the nervous system mm -hmm. was 25, then you'd, you could play it at 50, 100, 200, 400. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so, yeah, uh, octaves is just a doubling effect. Um, sure. And so I create a soundtrack with... Um, different octaves of that frequency uh binaural beats and nature sounds so it's a very mm. simple soundtrack it just feels like a very nice hum like a mm. and they have headphones on and then i'm monitoring them th with my software during that 25 to 30 minute session wow yeah and it's interesting that by the sound of it not every like not every nervous system responds the same. So some person, someone might respond to 25 hertz, for example, but someone might respond to 70 hertz. Definitely. And it's, um, well, ev everyone has such different lives. We have, have people with experiencing chronic stress or in uh, incredible amounts of pain all the time or uh, autoimmune issues. And so the nervous system is, uh, you know, it's not often that I see somebody that's healthy. Yeah. Um, a nature of the job but yeah, um yeah so the nervous system sort of been wreaked havoc on in in various different ways some mostly obviously it's overperforming. it's running a dominant stress response and so we're trying to quell that to essentially stimulate that parasympathetic nervous system get the relaxation response happening mm. and create it so that there's more balance in the nervous system because we don't want we don't want to then just only have rest response being the dominant factor we want the balance of both stress and rest we want it to be somewhat equal mm -hmm. be, that's that's the nature of a healthy nervous system when i see on my heart rate variability monitor we someone with a healthy nervous system will have bouts of stress uh, small, low, low levels, not not high level. So low level stress, and then a low level rest response, and then yeah. a low level stress response, and a low level rest response. It's the ability That's to go between them readily is definitely. probably the more important thing than than yeah. sort of how much 
Well, going between them regularly and frequently, I guess, by the sound of it. Yeah, so and yeah. that's what we would call homeostasis. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Or, or a regulated <laughs> nervous system, I guess. Sure. Yeah. And it's interesting... I'd be interested to know what people experience subjectively. Have, have you got reports of, say, someone who's just done a, a normal vibroacoustic therapy that isn't isn't targeted at their nervous system versus a bio tuning session? Mm, yeah, I don't have any. Okay. I don't. Yeah. I I typically don't um, test people on that. Yeah, um, go between yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, usually, it, I can't, I just stick with using my heart rate monitor and the yeah. heart rate variability monitor and the. Um, specific frequencies but then if people have a sound lounge or a device at home um, I'll always send them some of the tracks that Katie's composed sure yeah so someone could come and do a bio-tuning session with you Uh, another interesting question just on that train of thought that I'm going on could someone's the frequent does the frequency that they respond to with relaxation, does that stay fairly consistent for person by person or is it different each sort of session from what you've experienced? It seems to. What Basically what I do is if I see that it's not working, uh, I'll change it. But if it seems that it's, it is working, because I monitor people every single time they come in. Yeah, okay. So if I see there's it's uh, increasingly benefiting them, then I won't change a thing. But if if it doesn't seem, if there doesn't seem to be any change going... Generally, I'll alter it one side or the other until I get... I'll move it, say, down. Um, see what kind of response I'm getting. Or I'll move it up and see what mm. response I'm getting. And just move that freak. That happens very, very rarely, to be honest. But Okay. So, generally, say, you know, Jeff will come in and he's usually a 70 hertz and... Trish will come in and she's a, these are imaginary people by the way but and she's usually like a 50 hertz and it sort of stays fairly consistent for the person yeah yeah, yeah okay. Pro, uh, dominantly d- definitely yeah and I send because they're binaural beats tracks I send the tracks home with them they listen to them once a day okay so it's sort of like uh, prescribing people a, a soundtrack a soundtrack yeah. a day that just was for, the train of thought I was on. Yeah, was like, so 25 they... minutes to 30 minutes a day. Yeah. Um, just uh, to basically trying to rein in and bring home that uh, homeostasis zone for these people. Yeah. Do you have any theories of what's going on there? Like, why do different people respond to different frequencies? Mm, my Dr. Jeffrey Thompson, as far as I remember, uh, his theory was that... Uh, we're finding the within the hypothalamus in the in the brain we have a bunch of different little organelles which all do different things um, but two of those are sort of directly connected to the sympathetic and the parasympathetic okay um, and what he th- thought was that we're, maybe we're potentially resonating that part of the brain we're finding a resonant frequency for that part of the brain but then after doing it for five years or four or five years, I, it's hard to, it's hard to know sometimes because I, cause you know, I, I was thinking, okay, it's the size of the person. Mm. The person has a bigger nervous system. Hmm. Like they have long, they have longer nerves because they're, because they're bigger than, than the, uh, this other person. So it must be that it's like, okay, let's see if that's the case for a while. And it's like, no, 
that's not the case. <laughs> it's like, okay, that's not the case. That's def that's not working. Uh, that's, I can't see that being um, correct for every case. And it's, it's hard to know. Yeah, it's probably just one of those things, natural variants, we're all different. And we've got, I'm sure there's probably heaps of variables yeah. that would come into it in from genetic, like nature and nurture. Probably. Yeah, well, and that's why I've always just come that's why I've always just kept coming back to, is it working? Just test, retest. Is it working? And if it is working, let's keep doing that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because I can see it with my heart rate variability monitor. It's um, fantastic. Yeah. And um, so obviously we've already talked about like what, what it's, what this kind of therapy has been approved for or is like recognized in terms of evidence, um, circulation, pain, um, lymphatic drainage, and just like stress and uh, like relaxation, mm. inflammation. And the, all of those things systemically make sense that they would improve people's health in various ways. But what, what kind of specific conditions, you know, not asking you to make any claims of what this is going to heal in people, but what, I guess, what are some examples of conditions that uh, your clients have that you work with that maybe have seen improvement? Mm. Well, initially, uh, when I first trained, I thought I would see a lot of um, people with ADHD and autism, mm -hmm. just because it's something that I was very interested in, and it's also something that my teacher was having great su success with. But um, mostly, I have uh, tend to get people coming to me with issues with sleep, yeah, uh, ter like terrible issues with sleep, and... A lot of pain, physical pain, uh, some autoimmune issues, um, and gen. I guess we could say general stress and anxiety, like um, more leading. I guess chronic stress maybe would be the best way to explain that, or people on their way, maybe on their way to chronic stress. Um, with most of those things. I've been able to help people with especially being able to see their nervous system kind of calm down, come to a, a more relaxed state and then also feed uh, feedback from them of like how their how their life is going. Yeah. Gen generally, I'd say across the board, people feel uh, one of my clients put it really well. She said, and, and I actually I was listening to a book yesterday that said there is a space um, between stimulus and reaction in between the there's a space between stimulus and reaction and it's a and it's about growing that space between mm -hmm. uh, reacting to stressful situations mm -hmm. and so w what my client had said to me that she feels that there's a much bigger space in between stimulus and reaction and so that with that space being able to grow bigger, she was able to um, look at things for, for what they were rather than actually uh, just, you know, react in a normal way. And then all of a sudden there's this space in between stimulus and reaction and all of a sudden you have, feel like you have a choice. <laughs> yeah. Because before it felt like even though technically we did have a choice and we chose to react to it, um, it doesn't feel like a choice, but now all of a sudden the space opens up and we feel like there's a choice to, to make. Yeah. Um, so I would say overall with people, they explain it in different ways, but that's sort of the, un that's sort of the 
underlying effects of what I see mostly people being able to ex- become more stress resilient. Yeah. yeah. Which is such a huge thing yeah. in today's society, especially. And I, I believe that might be a Viktor Frankl quote from Man's Search for Meaning. Oh, is, is it? Yeah. Um, it was, but, um, it was from this book I've been reading, um, the seven habits of uh, highly effective people. Yeah. Um, Stephen Covey, I think. Yes, that yeah. one. Um, and that when he said that, that got me. Uh, yeah. uh, he did speak about Viktor Frankl a few oh, yeah. times in that book, so it could definitely be Viktor Frankl. Yeah. And Viktor Frankl's thing was like a low, is called logotherapy. So the book's Man's Search for Meaning and his way of, um, I guess, approaching psychological conditions was through looking at... Um, the person's meaning in their life and anyway what you were just saying then about the obviously stimulus versus response and people having a choice i think the way you interpret things that happen to you or happen in your life and the meaning you give it can make a massive difference to how your body uh what effect that has on your body in terms of like a stress response so it makes a lot of sense if, if you can so the, it's interesting that there's like the actual therapeutic value of the session itself in terms of switching on those parasympathetic um, pathways and getting circulation going and everything but it also psychologically makes you more resilient in other aspects of your daily life as yeah. well yeah yeah though that's what I've seen that's yeah. by by far the the most common thing with people who listen to the listen regularly to the tracks yeah 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 Cool. Well, um, this is also fascinating. I'm sure we could talk about it for a, for a long time, but that's probably a good place to wrap it up. Um, where I guess where's you mentioned you got some free trainings, free sessions. There is a directory of practitioners where people can go and experience this. Um, so it's the best place to basic to learn a, about all of this on your website. Yeah, probably vibrosoundhealing.com, mm-hmm. um, or you can type in vibrosound.com.au. Uh, that will there's an events page which has all of our events and obviously our emails there so you can always send me an email if you want to come to try out the sound lounge cool um highly or, recommend it by the way yeah. everyone listening <laughs> it's, it's a, an experience worth having awesome yeah so free events or some of our practitioners or with um katie and me personally just here in Baden in brisbane sweet cool All right. Thanks, man. Awesome. Thanks, Jim. It's been awesome. Yeah, great to chat. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks for tuning in to the Restore to Explore podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, we'd really appreciate you leaving a review wherever you're listening. That's the best way to support us and to help us reach more people. If you're after more free TFC education or training, looking for any of our TFC tools, natural footwear discounts, or you want specialized guidance on your foot health journey from a trusted TFC health professional, head to thefootcollective.com. All of the important links are in the show notes of the episode.